Welcome to the Kent ISD Literacy Leaders and Coaches Network Remote Edition. We are excited to bring you our third episode of the LLCN Brief. We appreciate those that have been able to listen to our first episodes and are excited to bring you more learning today. First, let us introduce ourselves. My name is Mark Raffler, and I'm the ELA and Social Studies Consultant for Kent ISD, and I'm joined with... Sarah Shoemaker. I am an early literacy coach with Kent ISD as well. You asked, we listen. Based on your input from previous podcasts, this episode will explore the concept of feedback. We are excited to welcome Dr. Doug Fisher to the LLCN Brief Podcast. Dr. Doug Fisher is certainly not a stranger to LLCN. In the past, we have explored topics in his books, including Checking for Understanding, How to Create a Culture of Achievement, and most recently, Visible Learning for Literacy, Grades K-12, through Implementing the Practices that Work Best to Accelerate Student Learning. These topics have come at just the right time to inform our current practice with our colleagues and students. This time is no different. As we continue to venture into getting better with instruction during a pandemic, we are all struggling with providing feedback within that instruction. What does feedback look like in our pandemic impacted classrooms today that can be face-to-face, -face, hybrid, or completely virtual? Kent ISD is working with educators across the county to answer this question. We are excited to explore insights from the Distance Learning Playbook resources Dr. Doug Fisher has co-authored. Joining us today is Doug Fisher. Doug is a professor of educational leadership at San Diego State University and a teacher leader at Health Sciences High in San Diego. Thank you for being here with us today, Doug. We know that feedback is an important factor in student achievement. John Hattie's meta-analysis of research over a thousand studies tells us that feedback has an effect size of approximately 0.64. Speak to us about your work around feedback. Well, you just said the feedback effect size 0.64, which is above average and good. It should be so much higher than that. I think the reason that feedback effect size is lower than it could be is because we end up giving students lots of feedback that doesn't work. We get lots of feedback that doesn't actually change learning. And I, I've learned reading, thinking, practicing, the best way to get a student to receive feedback is to teach them to seek out feedback, to learn to ask for this feedback. And then when they learn to ask for feedback, they are way more likely to actually accept it and use that feedback. So feedback should be a way more powerful influence. Logically, it should work. It just doesn't because sometimes we focus on low-level corrective feedback and not the processing of it, or the feedback is sent and then not received. Can you imagine how many teachers across the world have written all over students' papers on a summative task? The student looks at it and says, what did I get? Oh, that's my score. In the trash, in the recycle. All that investment in what could have been feedback is not growth producing. So when we teach students to ask for feedback, they're more likely to take it in and we get better at providing it as well as educators. 
that's uh, unique to think about this, getting the student involved and asking for the feedback. Uh, appreciate that. So feedback in general is a word that's often tossed around in education. How might you bring clarity around the definition of feedback? Hmm. So um, I'll use a mashup of several people I really respect in their work on feedback. So from Hattie to Brookhart and, and others, feedback is just in time, just for me, information that will move my learning forward. So I think about that definition. It's not this generic, it's for me. And it's just in the right time for me to be able to do something next. So it's not just good job. That doesn't help. Do students want some praise? Of course they do, but that's not feedback. Feedback is information for me, just for me, that's at the right time that allows me to loop, move my learning forward. And if we can really hone in on that, am I giving you feedback that is specific to you, where you are in your learning journey today, and is it actionable? Is it something you can actually use to move that learning forward? <clears throat> and I don't mind some feedback, and I think there's evidence on this, when you say to students, the way you processed this particular problem and the steps you went through seem to really work because this is where your answer got. <clears throat> and they're thinking about the processing because that can reinforce their, their learning. And then sometimes it needs to be more around so I think what happened was this. When you got here, this is where I think it, is that how it happened for you? Here's how we could do it differently. Ideally, we want students to know what to do when they don't know what to do. And I think that sounds really strange, but the idea here is I have ways of coping, of dealing when I'm not sure what to do next. And that may be asking you know, myself, reviewing some things, talking to peers, asking the teacher. But the whole idea is to seek out that feedback and the teacher or the peers know to give me information that is just for me to move my learning forward. Yeah, the the mashup, that's a great way to think about uh, pulling that in. So you're getting uh, expertise from a lot of different areas and your, your idea of the information for me to move me forward in that actionable way, as well as you mentioned too, the back and forth to know what to do next. I think if we're keeping those things in perspective, it surely can provide us guidance. So Doug, you already talked to us about the just for me, just in time information that will learn, move my learning forward. What are some other key elements of feedback that we should be mindful of? So when I think about what I've learned in this pandemic about feedback, uh, it's about empathetic feedback. So I hadn't heard of this. It was introduced by a friend like, we should be more empathetic in the feedback we give students during this pandemic. So I thought that was really interesting. What a nice combination to, pop, to you know, connect the word empathy to the word feedback. So I went on a Google Quest and I started searching. I couldn't find anything in education about empathetic feedback, but I found piles of stuff in the business world about empathetic feedback. And empathetic feedback is when you start off with a win, something that's positive. And I think by and large as educators, we do that. We recognize student successes. Then you move into what's called a micro-feedback. For example, here's one thing you could start doing, or here's one thing you could stop doing, or here's one thing you could continue to do. And when that micro-feedback statement is made, you immediately switch to a we statement. Here's one thing you could start doing. We could learn about, read about, watch, go visit. And it's, see, it's perceived as very empathetic. Here's where I can grow. 
Here's how we are going to work on this together. After that, when, you're, when the feedback session is coming to a close in empathetic feedback, you thank the person for listening to, considering, receiving the feedback. There's a thank you part of this. And lastly, you seek feedback on the feedback. So the teacher would say to the student, did this feedback work for you? Could I have improved this feedback in any way? Was this feedback useful in moving your learning forward? Whatever the language is appropriate for the age of students. So there's this really interesting idea. Start with a win, move to a micro feedback, move to a we statement. And as you do that, eventually close with a thank you and a request for feedback on the feedback. And at least in the business world, that allows people to have a sense of empathy that the person giving feedback is on this quest to understand. It's authentic and they care about me. Seems very similar to thinking about cognitive coaching, right? And recognizing a strength in a person, recognizing an area that they're aiming to grow in and switching to, uh, we'll walk this journey alongside of you before we thank you for your time and go forward and what we can do to serve you better. All right. What is the most important thing uh, the educator should be mindful of in regards to using feedback to improve student performance? Well, a few things come to mind. I think one is, are we overwhelming students with too much feedback? Is it, have we reached a cognitive load where they can't take in any more feedback? <clears throat> Another thing that comes to mind, is our feedback growth producing? Are we really focused on helping this person grow? So in that business world, empathy is part of a bigger feedback model called GREAT. The G is growth producing. Are we actually focused on the growth of that person? The R is about real. Is the feedback real? Is it honest? Because students have experienced some false praise and they see through that. The E is empathy, which we've talked about. The A is asked for. And we spend some time on that. Is the student asking me for feedback? Because they are way more likely to accept it if they ask for it. That doesn't mean the only feedback that I give students is asked for, but they initiate and they ask me like, hey, can you look at this transition? This, I'm not sure this paragraph to paragraph is working. Yes. And we talk about it. Here's something else I noticed in your paper. Here's one thing you could, and then we could. And the T for great is timely because feedback has a shelf life. It expires. It doesn't last for a really long time. So we need to have that growth producing, real, empathetic, asked for, and timely feedback. That's what we got to keep in our minds. Yeah, for sure. The, the overwhelming thing, I think that's going to be an easy one to overlook because we're doing this in, even in this hybrid way that we might think, oh, we got to give feedback, got to give feedback. So keeping in mind, it could be overwhelming and then keeping that acronym in mind to make it more efficient as we move forward will definitely be good insights. Doug, we're navigating this um, somewhat new world in education with virtual learning and hybrid learning and face-to-face -face learning occurring in um, districts sometimes simultaneously. What recommendations do you have for providing feedback in the virtual environment? As we think about virtual environments, we have to make sure that we have relationships that are strong with students. Feedback is mediated by the relationship between the two people. The stronger relationship we have, 
the more honest growth producing feedback we can provide. So if we haven't invested in relationships, our feedback probably isn't going to work. And this is, a, this is a challenge in distance learning. I recognize that. So we have to make sure there's a level of trust, relational trust and competence in those relationships so that students are open to the feedback. And then we need to be collecting evidence from students on a regular basis to see where they are in their learning journey. But my thinking has changed a bit in this pandemic teaching. I want students to be self-assessing. That's what I want. And I think I've only paid lip service to self-assessment in the past. But the pandemic taught me that I want a different role. I don't want to be the arbiter, the judge, the determiner of whether or not students learn things and then give them feedback. I want to be the validator and the challenger. I want students to self-assess and say to me, what do you think? And me say, I agree with you here. I agree with you here, but I have a question here. Can we talk about this part? I think it's a very different relationship when students own their assessment data. That means we have to have clear success criteria. That means we have to have very clear tools that students can learn to self-assess. Because eventually, students should be giving themselves feedback against the criterion for success that we've agreed to. And then they look to others as sources of validation and challenge. That's where I want to go with this. I think the future of feedback really could be students to self, peers to peers, and then the teacher coming in to say, yep, I agree with you, totally see it. That is your glow. And I agree with you, this is an opportunity for you to grow. But what about this one? Let's look at the evidence here. Let's talk about this a little bit more. I think it changes the whole dynamic of the relationship and the role that feedback can play for learners. So thinking about feedback is multi-layered and first starting with yourself and then moving to what do my peers in this class or maybe outside of this class think of the work I produced or, or written and then going to the teacher with all of that feedback to say here's what we've come up with what might you think about or see in this well so much uh, great insight provided so far and as you might expect we're going to wonder what it look like. So could you provide us with some examples of good feedback? Well, that's kind of a hard question because it depends where the learner is to determine the value that the feedback plays. It also matters whether or not the student is ready for that feedback. We give a lot of premature feedback. They weren't quite there yet to be ready to receive that feedback. So good feedback, probably not just corrective feedback. That's probably not the best thing to do. So corrective feedback paired with the processing, corrective feedback with how you accomplish the task, how your brain process things, probably better feedback. But as I think about really good feedback, and I'll, I'll go back to the parts I said earlier, we've got to teach students to seek it out. What are you looking for in terms of feedback from me? And then when I respond, does that allow you to grow? Is it actionable? That's probably the better feedback. Now we have seen feed bad. We see a lot of that, you know, so writing AWK in the side of a paper, meaning awkward, probably not that helpful for students. Like they wrote it the best way they knew how at the time and just telling them it's awkward doesn't help. Yes, it's awkward. What am I supposed to do with this? 
Also, over editing, you know, really detailed stuff on like a paper or a project at some point becomes the teacher's work, not the student's work. And so I think we need to be really careful about are we shaping them and it's actually our essay or our project or our performance, or is it the learners? So are we actually holding up a mirror and saying, look at this, what do you see in your work? And where can it get a little better? Where can it grow? And I think when we hold up exemplars, like here are five examples of what success looked like. You don't have to replicate one of them. These are different examples of what success looked like. Here's what I noticed in this one. Here's what I noticed in this one. Here's what I noticed in this one. What are you going to do in your work? So I think moving away from only corrective feedback, knowing where the learner is, getting the learner to ask for that feedback, and then making it actionable are important parts of what I would say is good feedback. Yeah, I feel like you've said it a few times now around that you're looking in the mirror example and who is the feedback for. I think that's some really good things to keep in mind as we move forward. And the exemplars, we've heard that before, but for you to bring that back around, that's good next steps to consider there for examples. What might be some resources you recommend for listeners to further their understanding of feedback and how to best use it? I think John Hattie's uh, newer book on feedback is a great resource. John Hattie and Shirley Clark did this book on feedback where they really go into the research and the examples and how to grow learners based on the interactions they have with peers and teachers in terms of feedback. I think Susan Brookhart has also done some really good work on building feedback culture. And then in a more, more generic way, the book Thanks for the Feedback has nothing to do with education as a specific has to do with more in the business and wider world. I think Thanks for the Feedback is one of those influential resources that changed my thinking around the role that feedback can play writ large in our culture. And I think as, you're, as I'm processing this, the ultimate form of feedback for students is the recognition of their work by other people, not just their teachers and their peers. And this morning, I received an email from one of the teachers at our school. She teaches 11th grade English, and she had an assignment to write an opinion piece. And part of the way you got an A was to send your, art, your opinion piece out to a publication. And one of the students received a letter this morning from the Union Tribune, our local newspaper, that her opinion piece will be featured in our local newspaper. And it's being featured, and I quote, with other well-known Chicano writers. That is the ultimate form. My writing, because I got feedback from my teacher and I revised, my writing is now being published as an 11th grader as I explain and convey my opinion. Thank you for sharing your resources, Doug. And what a powerful, influential moment in that student's life to be recognized by an authentic audience and have her writing get the feedback of publication. Mm -hmm. How exciting. Yeah. Well, we've asked many questions and appreciate the expertise that you've offered to us. But what have we not asked about that is important to highlight here still? I think the, the role of feedback and seeing student work as feedback to us, we tend to focus on our giving feedback. But remember, the work that our students do is feedback to us that allows us to see what impact we have. 
And in this pandemic teaching, the crisis teaching and the eventual distance learning we're doing, a lot of us are not seeing a relationship between our effort and the good things that are happening for students. So take a look at your students' work and spend a moment celebrating that students are learning things from you. Look at the impact that you're having and use that as feedback to yourself. That's the thing I think that we need to remember. It's not just feedback to students, it's feedback from students so that we can adjust and revise and be that much better next time. Yes, that is actually a great answer to that question because I think a lot of that is happening. We are really struggling and feeling like, what are next steps? What can we do next? How can we make this better? But to actually take a step back and look at what we have accomplished, maybe even in just getting to the point where we're at now and delivering instruction the way that we are, uh, that's great insight. Well, we certainly wanna thank you so much for your time and your thinking on these next steps for us around feedback. Uh, this is certainly going to advance our work here across the county and really our listening audience and through the Literacy and Leadership Coaching Network. And as I mentioned in the introduction, we've done a lot of learning with you throughout the years. And so this is certainly going to be one great next step to continue that. We so much appreciate your time today, Doug. Yes, thank you, Doug. Very insightful. I wish we could continue this conversation, but I know there are other things on your plate. And so we're just so gracious for your time today. Thanks for being here with us. It was an honor. I loved our conversation. I appreciate the interest in getting quality feedback to students. And educators, remember, you are having an impact. And I promise you, these kids are going to return to you one day. They're going to look you in the eye and they're going to say, do you remember me? You were my teacher during COVID-19 and you did not give up on me. Hold that in your heart because we can do this. Thank you all for your time. Thank you for joining us for this LLCN brief today. If you like this episode, think of a couple of other colleagues that may benefit from this content and share this podcast with them. The more people that listen, the more we can help grow their craft. We appreciate Doug Fisher's insight into feedback. If you want to learn more about intentional feedback for your students, check out the Digital Learning Playbook and other great titles by Doug, published by Corwin. We look forward to connecting with you again in the near future. If there are any resources that you are interested in from this podcast or podcasts that we've had in the past, please look at our LLCN 2020-2021 resources page found at bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y backslash capital L, capital L, capital C, capital N, lowercase resources with no spaces. We're also looking for suggestions on topics as well as questions that you may have related to literacy. So please take the time to let us know what you want to learn more about through our Google form, again, found at the bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash capital L, capital L, capital C, capital N, all lowercase topics with no space. Thank you so much for listening.